He chooses again to offer to you relationship today, relationship in your life with him, forgiveness, not forgiveness that you could go on living the way that you've lived, but forgiveness that you may have new life in Christ and that you may have new life abundantly. Here it comes a brand new day, but I don't know what will come my way. Rise or fall, your love will see me through it all. Opportunity and challenge like your word directs me to what's right and spurs me on right through the fight with the promise of new life. My name is John, and you're listening to A Word with God, and I'd encourage you to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 9 while we continue to go through an overall themed message stand that is called... Uh, the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And I am not ashamed of the Gospel is the tagline. Yes, it is. Now, th- this is an interesting message, and, and we've talked about this before. People who've been listening for a while know what's going on mm-hmm. in the Roman Church. Right. I'll just say, it's a mess. Yeah, it is kind of a mess. <laughs> Maybe a nice way of saying it. Actually, that's a pretty nice way of saying it. They're having issues. Yeah, they are. And the, the neat part is, is that, you know, this is where, you know, um, we went through the verse a little while ago when, you know, everything that's done, God can use it for good. I know, yeah. I, I know I'm kind of not saying it verbatim. but All things it. work together for good. Yes. So when Rome is looking at this and going, look at the mess we're in, look at the challenges we're having, we're yeah. having arguments, I don't like that guy because he's eating this meat and I'm not eating that meat. And then Paul yeah. starts having to, in essence, he probably, you know, he could have very well been thinking, I'm writing this to the Roman church. Right. I'm not writing this to anybody else, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as it stands. Mm-hmm. But because of what he wrote in Rome or for the Roman church, it has become a fundamental book of the Bible in terms yeah. of understanding the gospel. Yeah, absolutely. So now one of the questions that came up in this particular, uh, in, in this particular message you had and, and you talk about um, praying for people who aren't Christians. So Christians praying yeah. for non-Christians. Yeah. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's always seems to be a, be a bit of a trick for me because I don't know how I should be praying for a non-Christian. Hmm. You know, can you give us, you know, just some ideas yeah. on that, how we should pray for them? Really, are, are, should we be praying more for them or praying for us in terms of how we deal with them? I think both. But um, Scripture does talk about ask, uh, asking that people's eyes would be open. Mm-hmm. And their ears would be open, and so, I mean, if somebody, if you're praying with somebody who's, who's a non-Christian, and they're asking you to pray about something, I'm, I'm not saying that's the place to, you know, to, to pray for their spiritual insight. Right. Uh, pray for what's on their heart and mind. And I always put something in, like, and and that they would come to know you uh, to be the God who you really are. Okay. Something along that line. And, and then, from the Christian standpoint, I guess you know, for what we have to do in that case yeah. is we have to be ready to share the gospel when yeah. when it's needed and not and really not be ashamed pray preach or die yeah yeah i'm I'm not ashamed of the gospel absolutely we have to give it well let's get going to the message then and then at the end we'll hopefully have some time for some more questions okay number three your response to god is a gift verses 14 to 18 god's mercy what shall we say then how do I process that? 
that, that's mind-boggling. That, that, that doesn't seem like God doesn't seem to operate how we operate. Duh. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. There's a real dinger for you. There's no injustice with God, is there? Like, God's not an unjust judge. May it never be for, because, he says to Moses, he now moves from, he's gone from Abraham, Isaac, now he's, like, these are the top three, the big three in the Old Testament. And this is in Exodus 33, 19. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. We need the context to get this. Ivan, this has just come right after he's been up in the mountain. He's had the tablets, the finger of God has written. Do you remember what they were doing down on the valley as the finger of God is etching out his law? Right. Remember they threw, uh, this is Aaron's explanation of the deal. We threw the gold in the fire and out jumped a calf. I mean, who knew? That's just like bizarre. And they remember they worshipped it and they all danced around it, took their clothes off and they, they, they had a party that... And God said in the middle of it, that's it. I have had enough. I'm done. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. We're finished. And who intervened and prayed for them? Moses. And God forgives them. And they go on the path again. And before Moses heads up, Moses is going like, like, I just, I just, God, there's some things I need from you if I am going to lead your people. And Kat, here's how it went. He, um, he first said, uh, let me know who's going with me. He needed to know he wasn't in it alone. Aren't you glad you're not in it alone? You have a family around you, a church family who loves you. You're not alone in life. Moses needed to know that too. He needed to know he wasn't going to go it alone. So, and God says, you know, here's who's going to follow you. And then Moses says to him, let me know that your ways, and may I find favor in your sight. I need to know who you are, and God revealed himself, said, I, I will do that. And then he goes, let us see your presence, and God sent a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud, and God went before them, and God fed them manna in the desert, and he fed them quail, and he gave them water from the rock. And God looked after his presence was there with him. And then finally Moses said, show me your glory. I don't think as Christians we ever get to that point of really calling down on God to show us his glory. We're so in the day-to-day of living and getting through life. But Moses was at this point, he just, and remember God said, I can't let you see me or you would be like destroyed. But I'm going to hide you. I'm going to pass in front. I'm going to let you kind of look at, at as I've gone through. I'm, and I'm going to put my hand there. And you're, you're going to see my glory like no one has ever seen my glory before. We saw it in Jesus. The glory of God revealed in the flesh. And then he says to him these words. For I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. He's saying to one of the greatest writers in the Old Testament, it's not anything that you've done that you get this. I will just have mercy on you and compassion on you because I want to. You think anybody earned it. 
if anybody had stuff going for them, it had to be Moses. And God's saying, it has nothing to do with who you are. I'm just being kind and merciful to you. Well, hard hearts in verse 16, so then. Because God has a right to choose, so then. It means because that's true, here's what happens. It does not depend on the man who wills. It doesn't depend on your determination or your resolve. Determination and resolve will not get you relationship with God. Or the man who runs, maybe if I just run hard enough, work hard enough, maybe if I'm a good boy or a good girl, that'll get God's attention. No. But on God who has mercy, God is the one who helps you. God is the one who informs the will. God is the one who moves you to action. You cannot will that up in yourself in the long run. Verse 17. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, now he's given three examples, positive examples. He's going to give one negative. He's going to move to Pharaoh, and that's in Exodus 9.16. For this very purpose I raised you, that's Pharaoh, I raised you up. I put you into power. I, I give you the authority that you have here. What's the purpose? To demonstrate, to put on display my power in you, my power in your life what I'm doing in your life, and that my name may be proclaimed, may be published throughout the whole earth. Throughout the whole earth, verse 18. So then, because this is true, he has mercy. What do we learn mercy means? To help. He helps. He has mercy. He helps. He has mercy on whom he desires, who he determines. And he hardens. Okay, here's a problem. When did spiritual hardness enter the scene? When did men and women become spiritually dead? Bible students, I got a row of you right back here. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. The guy running the camera beat you guys. You need to go back to school. Adam and Eve, yes. Nothing negative about running the camera. Adam and Eve is where spiritual darkness came in. Spiritual deadness. Pharaoh's deadness of heart was not a God thing. God did not make Pharaoh's heart dead. Pharaoh's heart was dead right from the very beginning. What happens is God allows Pharaoh's heart, allows it to flow in the very direction that it was going in. Well, relationship with God's not genetic. God's choice is for relationship. Your response to God is a gift. You, you get that? You, there's nothing you bring to the table but sin and wickedness, Isaiah. Am I really responsible? There's the question that comes out of this, verses 19 to 26. And the first thing is, is God fair? Verse 19. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? means to blame. Why does he still blame me? For, because... Who resists his will? Who resists his purposes? On the contrary, verse 20, you can't say God did this to me. On the contrary, who are you, O oh man, and, and in the an analogy here, it's mankind, who answers back to God, who contradicts him? 
Hey, just a minute, God. I, I, I got an exception to that. I don't agree with you. The thing molded, formed, Genesis chapter 2, out of the ground he formed, man, these are all Old Testament passages that Paul's pulling on. He formed man out of the ground. The thing molded, will, the thing formed, will not say to the molder, will not say to the creator, why did you make me like this? Will it? As he chose to work with Abraham, as he chose to work with Jacob, as he's choosing to work with you right now, if you in your heart hear these things, understand these things, know these things, if you feel the tug of the Holy Spirit pulling you towards relationship with him, he is working in your heart as well. He is calling you. You are the one who is, is entering into that kind of relationship. Did God create man spiritually dead? No. You cannot say to him, why did you make me so stubborn? Why did you make me so wicked? Why did you make me so angry? Why did you make me so addicted? Why did you make me so lust? Have you heard men and women say that? They blame God for where they're at. They blame God for the spiritual deadness in their life. They blame God for their inability to reach out and accept him. God's saying, you have no excuse. It's not me. It's you. The rights of the craftsman, verse 21. Or does not the potter, does not the designer, does not the creator have a right over, have power to choose? The clay. To make from the same lump, to, to make from all humanity, one vessel for honorable use, another for common use, and then this is the middle point. This is like the, the hammer home. What if God, while willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? And he's talking about Adam and Eve there. And when they fell in the garden, God had every right. God was willing to execute his justice exactly right there, right then, over. But he chose to endure. He chose to put up with. Do you not think that the mess that this world is in and the mess that our families are in and the mess that our children are in and as we looked at three weeks ago, the mess that creation is in, do you not think it grieves the heart of God? But God chose to endure when he had every right to end it when he had every right to bring judgment down, when he had every right to say, that's it, because he said to them, in the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall die. You shall die. God had every right to take their life right then and there. He chose to endure, to endure vessels of wrath. Wrath for him and I mean, you just look on the news, you just look in our papers, and men and women are wrathful towards God, they are God-haters, they are God-impuners, they, they, they run in the opposite direction. And God endures that, that you, and you, and you might find forgiveness, might find for forgiveness and transformation of life. And as God chose 
Ishmael or Isaac over Ishmael as he chose Abraham before he chose his brothers and his other family as he chose Jacob over Esau as he chose to bless Moses as he chose to give them David and Solomon and the temple and miracles and forgiveness and the promises over and over and over again he chooses again to offer to you relationship today, relationship in your life with him, forgiveness, not forgiveness that you could go on living the way that you've lived, but forgiveness that you may have new life in Christ and that you may have new life abundantly, that you may be a new man, you may be a new woman, that the changes will enter in and you will be more and more like Jesus Christ, the Savior, the author of your faith, that you would no longer be one who is in the image of your father, your ex-father, the devil, a letter from a lady today about an ex-husband, or not today, this week, ex-husband, my ex did this, my ex did this, my ex did this. You have an ex-owner who hated you, who wanted to destroy you, who wanted nothing for you but the, the worst in life and to see you chained in hell with him. And now you come under new management, one who loves you one who is compassion for you, one who sees you in your afflictions, one who sees you in the messes that you're in. And it says in Hebrews, he has a heart that beats for you because he knows what it is to be a man, to be in this world and to be in the middle of sin. And he understands your predicament and he knows how to help you and he knows how to enter your life. He knows what it is to bring newness of life to you. I'm Stan, your radio teacher at A Word With God, and uh, I hope you've kind of picked up over the last few weeks that God never intended us to do this Christian life alone, but he's given us each other to connect, to be accountable to, to be encouraged by, and if you presently don't have a home church, we would love to get to know you and uh, have you check us out, and maybe, just maybe, we'll become family. John, why don't you tell folks how to find us? Yeah, you can find us at 112 Spadina Road West, and that's in Kitchener. And we have two services on Sunday, one at 9 and one at 11.15. Love to see you there. All humanity is spiritually dead, and they have hard hearts, and there is enough evidence in creation to show that there is a God and he's declared himself, and the Word of God declares who he is and how to rec- reconnect with him. And there's a call on all of humanity. God is global and yet individual. He is a call that all humanity would hear him and would turn from their wickedness. But he knows each and every heart, and he calls you out to enter in to that relationship today. So relationship with God is not genetic. God's choice is for relationship. Your response to God is a gift. I am responsible. Fifthly, a remnant. He just introduces this here. The remnant all through Scripture is this idea that, that out of every generation, out of every place, there will be men and women who will follow him. That God's, God's will and God's word will go forth. Isaiah cried out concerning Israel. This is Isaiah 10.32. Though the number of the sons of Israel is like the sands of the sea, it is the remnant 
that will be saved. If I had a glass of water out up here and I poured it out and there would be a remnant, there'd be a residue of water in that glass. Do you get the, do you get the, the shift? A glass full of water and all there is is a little wetness in the glass. Like there, there's the differential. It is the remnant that will be saved for the Lord will execute his word on the earth. He, he's going to do what he says he's going to do. He'll do it thoroughly and quickly, verse 29. And just as Isaiah foretold, and this is Isaiah 1.9, unless the Lord of Sabbath had left us a posterity, unless there was a residue, unless there was a remnant, those who were spiritually alive, we would have become like Sodom, we would have become like Gomorrah, and that's what he's, Paul is saying to is If God had not sent his spirit and was working in people's lives, if there were not some who were left, the whole nation would have ended up like Sodom and Gomorrah did, in destruction and wrath. If God was not working in your family through you, if God was not working in your heart, what would your family look like? Where would it be if you were not there to say this is not right? If you were not there to say this is who God is? If you were not there in the testimony of your life and the testimony of your faith? If you were not in your family? Would your family go the way of Sodom and Gomorrah? God has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for your faith. He has called you out to shine as light, to be a remnant for Him in the world, to be a remnant for Him in your family, to be a remnant for Him in your community. That is what He has called you to be and to do. Relationships, not genetic. God's choice is for relationship. Your response is a gift. It's not you. You don't respond because you want. If God gives you that gift. You are responsible. There is a remnant. God is, is at work. Finally, you're saved by faith. What shall we say then? How do I, how do I respond to that? gives us two pictures that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness attained righteousness even righteousness that's by faith Israel pursued a law of righteousness they did not arrive at the law they didn't fulfill it they missed it why verse 32 because they did not pursue it by faith they, they thought they but it is through works well, I deserve this. I, I did something. I did the thing. God said, do the thing. I did the thing. Now I get the prize at the end. No. It's bizarre that the Gentiles who did not know God did not have God's word given to them. And, and, and they were kind of like bystanders watching the parade go by. And, and the Jewish people were in the front rows, in the front seats, and they saw Jesus, and they saw the miracles, and they got fed, and they got healed, and, and God worked in their midst, and they went, eh, I don't think so. And the Gentiles are going, how do I, how do I get into this? How, how do I get part of this? Like, this is amazing. Like, this one will bring forgiveness. This, this. They didn't pursue it. They didn't work for it. Just as God picked Abraham, just as God picked the younger brother, 
Isaac. Just as God picked the younger brother, Jacob. Just as God picked a goofy old man of 80 to lead the children of Israel who was a murderer and couldn't get his act together called Moses. So God reached out to the Gentile world. You, you, you. I'm going to pick you off the shelf. I'm going to pick you off the shelf. And I'm going to grab you into my arms. And and I'm going to use you. I can use your life. I can use your life right now. I'm going to take your life. I'm going to change it. And they're over here. And she's like, yeah, but we worked for it. And we paid tithes on our mint and our dill and our garden. And we, we did everything that you wanted. And they're ticked. They didn't get it. There was nothing going on in their heart. It was empty. The point is not about election, predestination. Wiser men than me have not figured that out. The point is, is that God is reaching out to you and drawing you to himself. And if you hear his voice, hearken, harden not your heart. He says to Israel, don't harden your heart like you did back in the days in the wilderness. I can say to you, don't harden your heart. If the Spirit of God is moving in your heart today and you hear Him and you hear His voice, don't turn Him down, don't turn away. Verse 33, just as it is written, it says, They stumbled over the stumbling stone, just as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion. That's just another name for Jerusalem. A stone means a small stone, like a building stone, of stumbling, an obstacle. And a rock, that's a cliff. Like we're talking a mountain versus a stone. And, and a rock of offense, is the offense there's the trigger of a trap. It's like, it's like Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner, road and Wiley's got the box with the, and the string on the stick. That's, that's the offense. That's the trigger. That's the trap. There's things that are stumbling. There are obstacles. This thing is a trigger of a trap. That he who believes in him, that's Jesus, will not be disappointed. Well, here's the trap. Here's the offense. You do not deserve God's forgiveness. I don't care what you've done, what you've amassed, what you've stockpiled in good deeds. You do not deserve God's forgiveness. Number two, that you can do nothing in your hardened state to get it. Before Jesus, there's nothing. I mean, your, your heart's hard. You're dead. You're like a thousand horsepower motor that's not plugged into anything. You're dead. If there's no hydro, the motor doesn't turn over. You're dead as a doornail. It's by God's grace alone that you get it. If you're pounding your fist right now and say, well, it's just not fair. It's just not, you don't get it. You get it. It's not fair. You're absolutely right. It is not fair that God has given you a chance to hear his word and to respond to him and find forgiveness. It's not fair because he should have taken you out like that back at Adam and Eve. God is gracious. And instead of looking around you and pointing your fingers at the unfairness of God, you should be on your knees saying, how did I ever get here? So Stan, one of the things you talk about here again is the idea of uh, miracles, mm-hmm. and you know, it's, in in the Jewish 
tradition at that mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. and and how it was even with Jesus they they a lot of people wouldn't have believed Jesus yeah. unless he was able to perform miracles right right it's almost like okay that's who you are let's see what you can yeah. do the scripture says that Jews were always looking for a sign it's interesting Jesus response to that to that and he's speaking to his disciples and said, you know, even though one were to come back from the dead, still they will not believe. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly what they saw as one who had come back from the dead. And we we've heard, uh, we learned uh, in Scripture that, you know, one occasion at least 500 people saw him. Other groups of people saw him at post-resurrection. And, uh, and these witnesses went out and, and still people would not believe well, you know, and it's interesting when you say that because the the miracle itself doesn't seem to be um, the part that changes people's hearts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and the and the reason I say that is is that I, I, like when the Jews were coming out of Egypt, they mm-hmm. saw miracle after miracle after miracle. Yeah. And at one point, God even had to say to them, mm-hmm. "You know what? This whole generation's not getting in." Yeah. Right. Just yeah. because you know you, you don't have the faith to get it, you're not yeah. the right people to do it. But look at look at Israel. I mean, they saw him feed thousands of people, mm-hmm. turn water into wine. His disciples saw him walk on on water. Yep. In fact, we were just talking in church this last week in Matthew 28. There, Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. They have seen him post resurrection appear in a room, show them the, the the prints in his feet and hands and the and the mark in his side, and still they doubted. Yeah. Well, and again, you know, all we have to hope is that people who are non Christians will have their eyes open and will be ready to yeah. to to help at that point. Right. Well, thanks a lot for joining us, everyone. And again, we're going to continue going through Romans and this message next week. So we'd invite you to come next week as well. And remember, don't end your day without a word with God. Here it comes, brand new day. But I don't know what will come my way. Rise or fall, your love will see me through it all. Up soon, and challenge like your word. Right through the fight with the promise of new life.